Let us go into uh, our text again. As we uh, shared last Sunday, we started talking about uh, the, the, the crisis uh, of identity, the crisis of identity. And we read from Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 5, as was read again uh, this morning. And, and we're so thankful to God uh, uh, for that, uh, uh, being able to look into the text and see uh, that there's a time where uh, God's people need to show who they are. And uh, God made it very clear that uh, when it comes to knowing who you are, uh, it then, if you will, uh, gives the world an understanding uh, of, 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 of our identity. And, and, and we are the church of Christ. Amen. We are the church of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are the, the kingdom of God. All of these words are synonymous one with another, body, kingdom, church. Uh, they're synonymous one with another. Uh, and we are, and that's who we are. Uh, and we continue to do those things that show us faithful to that identity. Amen. And not only do we do that individually, we do that collectively. Uh, and so that's why we are gathered here uh, this morning. Amen. The world needs to know uh, uh, that the church is present. Amen. That the church is present. And, and, and uh, this is an opportunity for people to see that they need to turn to the Lord. Amen. Uh, because, uh, you know, with all this stuff that's going on, uh, I can still sleep at night. Amen. I can still go to sleep. Amen. Because whatever is going to happen is going to happen. But if my soul is right with God, we don't fear death like other men fear death. Amen. We, we know that if we go home, Paul says, it is better for me to be with you. Amen. Better for me to be with God, but for being with you is necessary. Amen. But I would rather be with the Lord. Lord have mercy. Uh, so if the Lord says it's time to go home and as long as I'm ready to go, amen, Lord, uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Let me, let me go on home to glory and have some peace and I don't have to worry about no more viruses, amen. Uh, but nevertheless, God is good. He has truly, truly blessed us and, and, and I know that he's going to have mercy uh, upon whom he will have mercy. Uh, the brothers and I prayed this morning that the Lord will have mercy upon the wicked and have uh, uh, grace upon the righteous, amen. Because in, during this time, it is a stressful time. Uh, for us to be here uh, together and have to address all of these challenges uh, that are going on in the world. So identity crisis is about being uncertain and confused uh, about who you are. The world is confused. We said that on last Sunday, and, and, and it is through that confusion and because of that confusion uh, that people have rejected the law. Because they don't know who they are. We are God's creation. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. We are God's creation. Uh, and, and God has uh, directed uh, his creation uh, to worship him and to worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Uh, the problem is that people don't know who they are. They don't, they, don't, they don't recognize that they are God's creation. Science has become a, a moving idea within the world. Uh, there are more of those who, who would believe and cast their minds towards science and less toward uh, creation. Uh, and thus they will think that they exist outside of God's divine authority. Uh, but we all live within God's divine authority. We don't live outside the boundaries of God, God's authority. 
Uh, I said this on, uh, on yesterday. It just so happens that that conversation came up as we had spoken about this earlier. But when we look at the, the idea of man's existence and knowing who they are, uh, you have to realize how man came into being. You got to go back to the book of Genesis and you got to go back and see when God started creating a man, man, how he fits within uh, the, the time of creation. And so when you go back to the book of Genesis, what you find is, is that before man, before man, now stay with me here, before man, there was no identity or uh, 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 creation of, of, of anything which we would identify as being human before man. There, there, there was no human being created because the, uh, man himself wasn't created until uh, uh, the, the sixth day. Amen. And so there, there was no identity, if you will, of humanity or, or any uh, creation of God until man that would represent, if you will, being uh, mankind. And not only that, we recognize that when God created man, God created man with intelligence. I, I don't, you know, I know we want to, I know we want to get into evolution and go from the monkey to the man. I know we want to do that. But God created Adam with intelligence. I, and there's no scripture for this monkey. I, I understand, that's, you know, that's what we want to do. I, I get it. But, but, but there's no scripture for that. Amen. Our identity was God created man, and he created man with intelligence. How do you know this? Because the Bible said when he created man, he also gave man dominion. Amen. And man had dominion in such a way that when God created man and, man, and God gave him dominion, that intelligence enabled man to name all of the animals. God created man with intelligence. You know, I don't understand this cave dwelling stuff. And all of a sudden, we evolve uh, from a monkey into uh, an intelligent, civilized, quote unquote, uh, being. Uh, well, you know, the world may want you to believe one thing, but God gives you the truth. And so we need to follow after who we are and our identity as God has pertained. Now, why is that important? Because when God created things from the beginning, and there was no man, if you will, before God created man, there was also another thing that was not in, uh, in, in existence until God created it, and that is time. Time. There was no day and night. There was no sun and moon. Amen. Before God created it. What that tells you is, is that there was no... There was no uh, 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 confining period of, 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 of time that constrained uh, the existence of man before God made it. There was no constraint, if you will, of existence. Therefore, what you had before the creation of time was eternity. There was no constraint of time. There was only eternity. And God, if you will, is and was eternity from the beginning. There is no constraint of time until God created it. 
When you go over to uh, uh, Genesis and you look at chapter 2 very quickly in Genesis chapter uh, uh, 2, I'll come back to Abraham. I'm just setting a foundation here. But you look at Genesis chapter 2 and and we see that the Bible begins in verse number 1. Uh, I'm at Genesis chapter 1, verse number 27, and we'll get to chapter 2. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 27, the Bible says, And so God created man, God created man in his own image. Uh, And when he created man in his own image, he created him male and female, created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. And over every living thing that moves upon the face uh, or upon the earth. So God, if you will, created man. And, and when God created man, he, he created man that man would have dominion. On the seventh day, he rested. But before all of that, he created. He created. Now, why is that so important? Why is that so re- relevant to the identity? Because when you look at Genesis chapter 2, in verse number 1, the Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he uh, had rested from all his work which which God created and made. Now why is that so important? If dinosaurs existed, it existed during that time. Well, they existed during that time. And if that is the case, that they existed during that time, there was an intelligent Human being, two of them, the man and the woman that existed in that time. Lord have mercy. Don't give me the caveman scenario. Uh, uh, He discovered fire and, you know, whatever and all that stuff. You, You can have your theory of evolution. But while you're dealing with your theory, let me give you some truth. Amen. Adam was intelligent. He didn't have to discover fire. God had already made him to know what was necessary. Amen. He already had that knowledge of what was necessary. Lord have mercy. It's amazing how we discount what happened in these epochs or these six days or seven days, if you will. It's amazing that we discount uh, the, 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 the vision that Moses was given in terms of the creation of time uh, to know that we are God's creation. It's amazing that, that we try to dismiss God. And by dismissing God, don't we know that we then dismiss our identity along with it? Who are you if you don't have the Lord? Amen. Who are you without God? Amen. God has given us our identity. Amen. And we are God's creation. Amen. And, 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 but the world, the world is in an identity crisis because we don't even want to think that we were created. 
We want to think that we just popped up on the scene. Amen. And thereby we dismiss God in the process. Look at Romans quickly. Romans chapter 1. Look at Romans chapter 1 very quickly. Uh, uh, the, the text here helps us to understand the significance of this and, and why this is happening in the world. People don't want God. They don't want the Lord. They want what's in the world, even though God is the one that gave us the creation. But they don't want God. Look what he says in Romans and uh, uh, and. And, and look very quickly, if you will, uh, in Romans uh, chapter, uh, uh, chapter 1, and I want you to drop down uh, very quickly, uh, look at verses, uh, numbers, uh, I'm going to start at verses number, uh, number 15 for the sake of discussion here, and then I'm going to uh, jump, jump to another text. But look what he says here in Romans chapter 1 and verse, uh, verse number 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believed, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now, this is, the, this is what Paul says. He's talking about the gospel concerning Christ. But look what he goes on and says. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let me tell you something. If you're going to have faith, if you're going to have the faith that the Bible teaches, you've got to believe that there's a God. You can't be a, you can't be a Christian and, 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 and dismiss creation? Amen. Okay, how many degrees you get? You can't dismiss creation because without creation we have no identity. He goes on and says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifested in them for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation, from the creation of the world are clearly, clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Do you know, you are not going to be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know. God said, what you talking about? What you think you created yourself? He goes on and says, verse number 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Now look at the power of this. Don't you know that in the beginning, man understood that there was and is God. Men understood it because God walked with them. God talked with them. Amen. They knew, Adam knew that God created him. Adam knew that God created the woman. Adam and Eve both knew that God created them. Adam and Eve knew that. Amen. From the beginning, they knew that. But what happened over time? Over time, world, sin came in. And the world began to change. And me and creation began to walk away from God. And as they walked away from God, they didn't want to remember God. They lost their identity on the journey from Genesis, from Eden, if you will, through the journey of the world, people, mankind, God's creation, human beings forgot who God is. They forgot who he is. They don't want to. I don't want God to control my life. I want to do whatever I want to do. Amen. 
You can reject God, but God is still there. And God said, I created you. Amen. Amen. And without me, you have no identity. Amen. Look what else he says. Paul goes on and says, look. He says they, that they, they didn't want to keep God. And, and, and in their own vain imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Lord have mercy. People rejected God to the extent that they started creating their own gods. Isn't that something? When you forget who you are, when you don't know you God's creation, Amen. There's an emptiness that occurs. Because see, when you stop knowing who God is, you then lose who you are. And so what do you do? You start searching for something to try and to fill up that void. Amen. And so man began to create his own God. Started building Metal, rocks, if you will, so that they could fill up that emptiness that's within them. And God said, what are you doing? These are not gods. These guys don't talk. These guys don't walk. These guys don't feel. They don't think. And how can they ever care? But yet, man lost his identity. And let me share something with you. Don't get caught up in the fact that during the time of these individuals, Adam and Eve and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Sarai and, 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 and uh, Moses and, and the others, if you will. Don't get caught up in the fact that during their time of existence, they adopted and adapted things that were not according to God's word. Amen. What you have to do is take that text, understand the principles of it, and then look at your own life and ask yourself a question. Did you start creating your own God? And what did it look like? Lord, have mercy. What is it that you started worshiping or, in fact, serving as you turned away from the Lord and didn't want God in your knowledge? Amen. We were children, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, we were children of disobedience. We followed after the principalities of the air. We looked after the things of the world and not after God. We became fools. Verse number 23 Romans 1, 23, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I looked at that text and I said, Lord have mercy. Paul came to a concluding point, and this concluding point is so powerful. God says, look, you can worship what you want, you can, you, can, you, can, you can try to create what you want, amen. But guess what? The creator will be blessed forever, full stop, amen. amen. I 
the end of that. And then he talks about how your emptiness caused you to float into various practices and behaviors that are contrary to God's word. Because you were empty. And you're trying to fill it with something. Paul said what you need to do is turn back to the Lord and find your identity. You are God's creation. And God loves you. God loves you. God loves every one of us. Amen. Even when we don't deserve to be loved. God still loves us. But we have to come to the point where we understand who we are in the Lord. In verse number two, chapter 2. In chapter 2, Romans 2. In verse number 1. And I'm going to move on from here. Uh, Romans chapter 2 and verse number 1. Paul says, Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man. Now that old man is referring to all of us. All creation, all humanity will be without excuse. You're not going to be able to stand before God and say, you know, I, I just never, I never, God, I, I never believed in you because I, I just, you know, I, I just couldn't believe that, 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 that you were, you, you, that, that you actually existed. God's going to say, well, who do you think created the sun? Who do you think created the moon? Who do you think created the earth that you lived in? Who created these things? You didn't create it. Which scientist, which scientist are you going to point to that can say they created it? Amen. Everybody, all of them have theories of how this happened and theories of how that happened. The Big Bang Theory. It's still a theory. It's a theory. The theory of evolution. What does that tell you? It's a theory because it's not based on fact. That's why it's a theory. You don't hear the theory of creation. <laughs> because the Bible tells us the facts of creation. And the facts of creation play themselves out in the world that we live in every day. It is wonderful to know what truth is. Science is one thing. But truth is another. And God says, you will be without excuse. Because the very fact that you can wake up each morning and see what God has provided for us Amen. should be enough for you to know that God is. Amen. That God is. And let, let me share this with you. I, I, I often think about these things. And I love science. I mean, you know, I, science is wonderful. But let me tell you something. Science unchecked becomes fallacy. It becomes fallacy. And I was sharing this uh, on yesterday, uh, and it, it just kind of happened. I said, you know, I'm going to preach on this tomorrow because this is important. When we talk about our identity, do you realize how, how in sync God's creation actually is? When you step back from all of the foolishness of what you see, look how in sync God's creation
tell you something. Let me tell you what your mermaid merman experience was. When you in your mother's womb, that's when you were a merman or a mermaid. Because you were living in water. But don't get it twisted. I love, I love this. You can tell I love this, right? The umbilical cord that was connected to you was an oxygen tank. Whoa, I love that. Because the oxygen that got to that child in the womb was coming from mama. Mama's lungs were your oxygen tank. Until you developed your own. And when you developed your own, don't, don't stay with me. Don't run, don't run from it. Don't run from it. We're talking about our identity. Amen. Don't run from it. We're God's creation. And just because God put into place procreation, nevertheless, we're still God's creation. Amen. Now, 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 now. We're in mama's womb. Mom is giving us all the nutrients, all the oxygen that we need. But when we leave mama's womb, what's the first thing that we have to do? They have to disconnect you from the umbilical cord. Why? Because you got your own oxygen tanks. And that's why, I don't know why they, some of us start, I, I guess some of us, the, 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 the doctors say that some babies come out crying as soon as they come out the womb. They only, I, I said, some of us probably figured out, well, I don't want to get spanked. I'm going to let them know I'm here already. You don't have to slap me on my behind to wake me up, right? But <laughs> the practice of, of tapping the child is to get the child to do what? To breathe in. And guess what? Here's the perfection of God's creation. You don't have to tell that child to breathe out. You know why? Because once it hits the, the, the face, of the, once it comes out of the mother's womb, that body that was created by God has been created in unity with God's divine purpose. And so it begins to interact with creation. It breathes in and breathes out. And that body begins to function the way that God intended. God's creation. It's perfect. And we will be without excuse. We will be without excuse. Thou art inexcusable, O man. Whosoever thou art that judges. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. 
But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. When there are those who turn their minds away from God and start worshiping things that are of the earth, the fornication, the wickedness, the, the idolatry, those things that are of the earth, and then they want to try to judge us because we turn ourselves toward the Lord, God says, look, let them judge you. But you keep your mind focused on truth. Verse number three. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things? Doest thou the same? Are you, going to, are you going to practice what they practice? Are you going to reject God? That thou shalt escape the judgment of God? God has a judgment for those who obey not the truth. Our deepest, I'm sorry, or despises rather. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impotent heart, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Let me tell you something. We better find out who we are in the Lord as humanity. Because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, for we all will stand before the judgment of our God. And we have to really count the things that we've done in this body, whether it be good or whether it be evil. God's going to reward us according to our deeds. You see, I don't want to know. I don't want God. I don't want God in my life. Just understand. That is your choice. But God is going to award you according to your deeds. And guess what? Even after you've done all that, you will still be God's creation. All right. A man born of a woman. A man born of a woman. First John. First John. First John. First John. A man born of a woman. And I'm going to give you these because I'm going I'm to move, move forward here. Look at, look at uh, uh, the, the, this is the, the, the beginning of the, uh, the, the sermon that we were uh, speaking on on last Sunday. And, and so uh, a man born of a woman, uh, we talked about how uh, there's a joy in birth that I was speaking to earlier. But John talks about a man born of a woman, John chapter 3. And John helps us to understand some significance, th- significance about that birth uh, and Jesus helps him to understand the significance of it as well. But then Jesus says that there's a more important birth that, 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 that we need to be focused on. Uh, uh, and it is more important than anything else in, in, in life. A man born of a woman is God's creation. There is no way around you not being God's creation. There's no way around it. I wish I had time to go to, to, to Nehemiah and show you. And, and when Nehemiah became a prophet, God says to Nehemiah, when you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. As my fact, said, before. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I ordained you to be a prophet. God knows who we are even before we enter into our mother's womb. Before the two gametes, the gamete of the woman, the gamete of the man, comes together and to make that, that, uh, that, that, uh, 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 that embryo that comes together and then becomes a child. God says, I knew you. 
I knew you. In John chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees. His name was, was Nicodemus. And he was a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and, 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 and said unto him, and, and, and someone said, well, why did he come to him by night? Why did he come to him in, in the darkness of the night? And, and, and the only information that we have is that he came to Jesus by night. And the, one can infer from that that the reason he came by night is because he did not want to be seen. He wanted to come in under the cloak of darkness. He did not want to be seen going to Jesus. He had a reputation. He's ruler of the Jews. And so he didn't want to be seen. He wanted to come in under the secrecy of darkness. And so he came to Jesus by night. But he had a wonderful question. He wanted to understand spiritual things. He wanted to understand spiritual things. He wanted to understand spiritual things. And that is when you see a blessing of God's creation. Because see, it doesn't matter where you start. What matters is where you end up. He wanted to come, he wanted to understand spiritual things. And so what he did was, he, he, he didn't want his friends, and he had a reputation to try to maintain. So he came to Jesus by night. He wanted to understand these things. And Jesus received him. He didn't have to, but Jesus received him. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Master, or Rabbi, teacher, master teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Now, I don't know whether you recognize that or not, but this is a powerful statement. Because immediately you understand that Nicodemus is already acknowledging something that Satan wanted, God, wanted Christ to deny. Satan didn't want Christ to acknowledge that he is the son of God, that he had come from God. But Nicodemus, who is a man whose heart, mind, is seeking to serve the Lord, he says, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. We recognize that. For no man can do these things or do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. In verse number three, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where in this text did Nicodemus ask about the kingdom of God? God already knows what your needs are. What he, what he desires. It's for you to show up. Oh, Lord, have mercy. God already knew what Nicodemus' need was. But Nicodemus had to show up. We have to come to the Lord. God knows what your needs are. He knows what you're lacking. But you've got to come to the Lord. 
you got to recognize that he is God. And when people don't know who they are, when they don't recognize their identity, when they reject God, don't you know you will never become who God desires you to be? You've got to show up. You've got to show up. An identity crisis is very, it's very harsh on the mind. As we shared with you the, the definition earlier, when you are confused, unstable in mind, you don't know who you are. And when you are in that condition, you're liable to do anything and everything. But God says you can come to him and by coming to him, he's able to provide what it is that you need. Nicodemus comes to the Lord and he comes to the Lord. Jesus says, truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, I know, Nicodemus, that you have come here because you want to be saved. You want to be saved. You want to be saved. Isn't it a blessing when someone who is in the world desires to be saved? And so they come to the Lord. In verse number four, Nicodemus, Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Notice something here. Nicodemus didn't respond and say, I'm not here for that. <laughs> I, I didn't, what, what are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't come here for that. No, what he does is he engages the conversation because he recognizes that Jesus has already responded to what he was there for. You want to be saved. Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is flesh is flesh. Do you know what your identity is. God says, if you have the carnal mind of the flesh and that's where you stay, you will always be flesh. But you've got to develop the mind of the spirit in order to become spirit. Your identity changes when you come out of the world. Lord, have mercy. Your identity changes when you come out of the world. God expects for you to be different when you come out of the world. You can't be a Christian and live like the world. That which is spirit is spirit. And that which is flesh is flesh. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm coming back to John 3. 
But in Romans chapter 8, look at the distinction. Look at the distinction that Paul makes when he, when he addresses those who have come out of the world and, uh, and stopped obeying the law of the world and started obeying the law of God. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 1, Paul says, There is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. If I continue to walk after the flesh and do the things of the flesh, amen, God says, I am now subjecting myself to the law of sin and death. But if I bring my flesh into subjection by the power of my spirit that has been infused by the word of God, where my spirit now is in control of the actions of my flesh, I don't walk after the flesh anymore. I don't serve the flesh anymore. I serve God through my spirit because of the word of God. But that which is flesh is flesh. And that which is spirit is spirit. And that's why it's so important when, when the word of God is preached and people say, you know, I would get baptized right now, but, but I need to go out and, and I'll, I need to get things right before I come. Flesh can't get flesh right. The spirit can get flesh right. But flesh can't get flesh right. You've got to let God change your identity. You can't change your identity on your own. God must change your identity. And Nicodemus understood that. You'll find later on that Nicodemus was one of the ones that was a, a supporter and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a secure of the Lord's body. Don't have time to deal with that this morning. But he goes on and says, uh, in, 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 in Romans chapter 8, he says, look, he says for, for, for verse number 3, verse number 3 now, he says in Romans chapter 8, verse number 3, look what he says now. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak, through what? Through the flesh. Wow, this is powerful. Because even the law of Moses could not get people to do what God wanted them to do. Amen. Because the flesh was behavioral. And so people would show up, they would give their animals, but then they would go back and do whatever they were, they were doing before. Because all they saw was the external. But God wasn't about the external. God was about changing the inward man. God was about the external. God was about the inward man. When God changes your identity, I'm not talking about you looking different in terms of your physicality. It's your identifies 
that I am who I am because of God. And so my spirit connects to the Lord. Don't look at me like that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to help us along here. Because I'm going to show you that the spirit of God does not hook up with your flesh. So don't, don't, don't be saying that the spirit has you rolling up and down the aisle and, and, and doing all kinds of crazy. Because the spirit ain't hooking up with your flesh. That's not what the spirit does. Let's read here quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be much longer here. And look what he says. And so he says, verse number four, for that, that the righteousness of the, of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are, are, are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded, that is to be fleshly minded, that is to follow after the things of the flesh, is going to cause you to die. Is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you see the change of identity here? He goes on and says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. Our carnal minds must be converted into spiritual minds. That is what changes our identity. When we get our mind right, when we start, if you will, letting our spiritual conscience receive God's word, that it may change our spirit, our spirit will then change our behavior. And we will no longer walk after the things of the flesh, but we will walk after the things of the spirit. Are y'all with me? I know we out in the deep, but I said we were going to be out in the deep. I already told you that. But we got to get this right. Our identity is in Christ Jesus. And our identity is because who we are in the spirit. Not about who we are in the flesh. I can show up to this building the 52, the 52 times a, a year on Sunday that it comes Sure, but guess what? If I'm just showing up flesh and my spirit is not engaged, then what benefit did it have for me to show up and to worship? Verse number eight, Romans eight and eight. So then they that are in the, in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What do you mean I'm not in the flesh? Has my bones changed? Or, you know, my, my hair's still short. I, it, what do you mean I'm not in the flesh anymore? But ye are not in the flesh. But in the spirit. If. If. So be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, then the body is dead because of sin. What does that mean? The body no longer has control over the spirit, but the spirit has control over the body. When you don't have the proper identity, 
as being children of God, you cannot bring the body into subjection. You don't have the strength to do it. If you could have done it, then there would have been no reason for Christ to die. But Christ died so that we could have access to what it is we need in order to gain the strength that is necessary to overcome the weaknesses of the flesh. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27, I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. Lord have mercy. This is a prophet, apostle, if you will. Paul prophesied about things to come as well as being an apostle and knowing the things of the now, of the then now, knowing all truth, Paul says, I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. Wait a minute, Paul. Wait a minute. Isn't your body you? Why are you making such a distinction? I keep under my body. And I bring it into subjection. Let me tell you something. What Paul helps us to understand, as he had given us in Romans chapter 7, is that your, your body has, the flesh has desires of its own. Lord have mercy. And those desires, if they are left unchecked and unconstrained, that body will do all kinds of stuff. So Paul says, I keep under my body. Who's the I? My, the spirit that is within that body brings that body into subjection. The body is like a beautiful stallion that, is, that has been caged but never yet tamed. And when the corral in which the stallion is caged is broken open and an opening exists, that stallion will escape. And when that stallion escapes, it runs wild because it has never been tamed. Amen. Paul says, I've got to get this body and bring it into subjection. Because while I preach to others, I don't want to be a castaway. So I have to bring, I have to tame this stallion. I have to tame this stallion to the extent that even when the corral door is open, it won't run out wild. Lord have mercy. Verse number 10. And if ye be Christ's, and if Christ is being you, rather, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse number 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we're not debtors to the flesh. We're not debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. 
For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify, that is to put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. When I'm born of a woman, that's a life that is manifested in the reality of the flesh. But when I'm born of God, my identity changes. It is no longer a life that is limited to the birth of the flesh of a woman. It is now expanded to transcend the flesh. To live after God. My identity has changed. Oh, my Lord. Maybe this is just helping me. Let me tell you something about this identity change. God says there's another identity. Now I'm closing. I'm going to close here. But see, the ultimate identity change is the one that ends in eternity. That's the ultimate identity change. Go over to uh, first, uh, first Corinthians uh, chapter 15. And let me, let, me, let me show something. Let the Bible show us something here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul, when he preaches the gospel, he, he talks about uh, how we have been resurrected from the dead, from our flesh, that is. And he talks about it. Because he knows that we bear the image of the earthly. Before we go down in the watery grave of baptism, that is what we are. We are earthly. But at some point, we're going to bear the image of the heavenly. And that image comes when God blesses us to be able to transcend this life. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 1, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a home with God. And it's one that's not made with hands. And so as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And that's in the end. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse number 39. He says. All flesh. Is not the same flesh. Lord have mercy. <laughs> in other words. We don't all look alike. All flesh ain't the same flesh. He says, but there is one kind of flesh of men and a flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies. Lord have mercy. And bodies terrestrial. Are y'all with me? We're talking about identity here. 
He says, look, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Lord have mercy. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a change of identity. Paul tells us. Paul tells us. He goes on and says. There is a natural body. And there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was, a ma- it was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not the first, uh, I'm sorry, howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is of the Lord, heavenly, from heaven. Let me tell you something. God is letting us know. Yes, you were born of a woman and you were born earthy. But when you obey the gospel, your spirit becomes your living. That becomes your new body. It's a spiritual body. He goes on in verse number 48. In 1 Corinthians 15, 48, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, that's one identity. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly. That's a second identity. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Lord have mercy. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed. For this, in, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much that you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We're going to change identities. 
We are going to change identities twice. The first identity changes, the change happens when you go through the watery grave of baptism. We all are born here earthy. We all come from a woman, born of a woman. We are earthy, which means that we are susceptible to all the sins that are in the earth. All of them. All of them. It is only through the strength of the Spirit of God, Amen. through the water of grave baptism, Amen. that we can take off the image of the earthy and put on the image of the spiritual or of the heavenly. That's our first identity change. But that identity change allows you to continue to exist upon the face of the earth while you were working out your own soul salvation with fear and truth. But then God says there's going to be a final identity change. Because what I'm going to do in the end, God says, I'm going to strip away all flesh. No flesh shall enter into heaven. No flesh shall enter into heaven. So God said, I'm going to strip away all flesh. And the only thing that remains is spiritual. And so when we get into heaven, we all will truly all of the light. Because we will all bear the image of the heaven. The spiritual life of heaven. This is the identity crisis that we have in the world today. People think that we've come here to be better. We haven't come here to be better. This is the opportunity for you to change your life so that you can be forever. The question is, where shall forever be? Are you going to be in heaven glory? Where the angels in Revelation is shown as singing songs around the throne of God? Are we going to be part of what Paul witnessed when he said he was caught up in the third heaven and he heard things and, and, and he heard songs that he cannot utter, I want to sing those songs. Amen. I don't know what those songs are, but I want to sing those songs. I don't know what they are. But the Bible says that they were singing some songs. Amen. 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 Around the throne of God. I want to sing those songs. Amen. 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 Paul says, I can't, look, Paul says they were singing some songs, I can't even tell y'all what they were singing. They gave us a couple of verses, though. They gave us a couple of words. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God Almighty. We got that one. Hey, that's all y'all need. That's just your little taste. That's all you Take it for the rest of You can have that. And that's only because, because John gave it to us in Revelation. Oh, I ain't telling you nothing. John said, I'm going to tell you what they were saying a little bit. They were saying, holy, I want to sing those songs. So what I'm going to do in order to sing those songs, in order to hear what Paul heard, in order to witness what Paul witnessed, what Paul saw, in order to do that, you got to live a life that is faithful unto death. So Paul tells us in Romans 10 and 17, so the thing, coming by hearing, hearing God's word of God. 
Hebrews 11, 6 says, Go now, faith, and possibly please God. He that trusts God will believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. See, I'm seeking the Lord because I, 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 have, I have gotten to the point of my life where, where, where when you read the Bible and you see what they do through, through the descriptions of how they, how they share with us the imagery of heaven, I want to know what heaven looks like. I want to see it for myself. I want to walk what they call the streets of gold. I want to see the walls of Jasper. I want to see the crystal wall. I want to know what that meant. I want to know why they say that Jesus shines so bright. That there's no need for the sun. I want to see that. I want to know what this imagery is of the, of the elders that were around the throne. I want to see that.
we need to recognize that the strength of the world is because we recognize who we are in the Lord. And when you recognize your identity, you then recognize the power that you have, not only to change yourself, but to change the world. And all it takes is one. All it takes is one. Imagine if there's more than one, what we could really do. But all it takes is one. Jesus changed the world. Just one. Now he multiplied himself by blessing the disciples to go out and teach and all that, but Jesus was the one who established everything. Amen. And the Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice over one soul. They tell about good things. Well, 99 just came over. Just one. Just one that comes by faith. Just one that believes that God is a, 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 a reward of those that diligently seek Him. Just one that understands that they need to seek Him first, the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things, so He added unto you. Just one that recognizes that they need to repent of their sins because they have walked after the course of this world, and now they want to walk after the course of God. They once lived in the flesh, but now their identity has changed in the spirit. Just one. That confesses Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. That acknowledges that He is the Son of God. That He is our Messiah. That He is the Christ. That He is the Lamb of God. That He is the Anointed One. That He is the Living of the Valley. That He is God's Chosen One. That He is the Son of God. Just one. Just one who commits Himself like Cornelius. To seek truth. To seek truth and to obey. Just one who would present themselves as a candidate for baptism. By acknowledging that the word of God teaches that when one is baptized, that they're added to the body of Christ. Acts 2.47 teaches us that those who believe were being baptized for the remission of their sins. And being added to the church. Ephesians 1 and 7 says we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Just one! And God looks at each of us as one. God, God's not looking at all of us. He's looking at just one. You don't have to worry about who's here. You just have to worry about whether or not you need. Because God's looking at just one. Just one soul to change their life. And God is free. 